Um, this is obviously another episode of that anxiety community show, but it's also just a little bit of a webinar to look at this course that Liz has obviously been working on. If you could talk about that a little bit, what that course is about. Yeah, it's um, so this is a, a course that I developed specifically with with parents in mind, and it's called the Supporting Your Anxious Child Blueprint for Parents. And what it is, is it's a self-paced online course that um, is recorded and parents are able to go through the content at their own pace, at their own time. And it's separated into three different phases. So it's six modules over three phases. Um, the first phase is the identification phase. So this is where we talk a lot about understanding anxiety and identifying specific behaviors that are often overlooked. Um, sometimes we have this kind of, you know, typical or traditional vision of what anxiety looks like, but there are a lot of other behaviors that fall within that category. Um, so we, we focus on that in the first phase. The second phase is the de-escalation phase. This is where we talk about how to bring down um, anxiety and bring down that intensity. And then in the third and final phase, we talk about taking control of anxiety. So we get really concrete about strategies to prevent uh, anxious episodes and um, feel more in control of, of situations. So it's parents and, and children working together. Oh, that sounds all really great. What in actually inspired you to start doing this course? Um, I know that you are a psychotherapist, but what inspired yeah. you to do this particular course? So I, I've been working with children and families for over 18 years, and I've delivered this kind of content in treatment groups with just children. I've done this kind of work with just parents, and then I've done this on an individual basis in, in my own private practice. And what I found was that there's there's just so much of the, the same kind of you know content that's repeated, and there's a lot of barriers that get in the way of families accessing services, whether it's through community mental health agencies or even privately. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of barriers, you know, financially, there's a lot of barriers time-wise. So my, you know, my hope in creating this course was to create something that was really super accessible for families um, and parents to be able to take in the content and learn and apply um, at their own pace. And, you know, really looking at um, something that wasn't, you know, financially overwhelming as well. So, and a really important part of the development of this program was doing this alongside other parents too. So, because I've been doing this work for so long, yeah. I've gotten feedback along the way, but when I was creating this course, I had a group of founding members that gave me feedback on a weekly basis about everything that I was okay. building, um, which was so fun to get the, you yeah. know, the actual feedback from parents. Um, did you want to talk a little bit more about those three pillars? You said that there was a de-escalating phase. What were the other ones again? Sorry. So the first phase is identification, de-escalation um, de and take control. So, and it, it really does need to be separated in that way because um, a lot of times, uh, you know, parents, they see, they know what anxiety looks like and they yeah. see what it, how it presents within their own child. And they want to, they want to really jump to the strategies. And mm -hmm. what I try to do when I work with families and when I, when I deliver the content through this course is slowing things down so that parents are set up for success and for that. And so that children are set up, set up for success. So it's about building. Um, we can't, really implement strategies or start, you know, helping children to expose themselves to the things that they're scared of, unless we know exactly what those, um, what those behaviors are, what those early yeah. warning signs are, and we have to build capacity. Um, otherwise, you know, the, the process of working on developing skills just feels really unsuccessful. I feel like a lot of the time, 
a big issue with trying to support somebody is not understanding why it's happening, which yes. is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's like something happens or your child has a meltdown and you're very solution oriented, but it's like, how do you come up with a solution if you don't understand, you know, what's happening, why they're feeling anxious. So I think it's really, really great that you are providing people with an opportunity to take this course. Mm-hmm. Um, We did get a lot of submissions on my account. I didn't post them all just that we could post them on the video, but Mm -hmm. maybe we could just, you know, kind of use them and, you know, maybe walk through those three steps of the identifying, the de-escalating and taking control and kind of see like how that would apply to each situation. Absolutely. Um, So one of the biggest things I actually did get was when people are talking, when parents are talking to their anxious children, Mm -hmm. um, they have a hard time opening up with that. And when they have a hard time opening up, a lot of uh, the parents that were putting submissions found that they might have a meltdown or they might just be expressive with just tears. And then they don't know how to act in that situation because they don't know what's wrong. They don't understand what's wrong. And it's hard to have that communication. Yeah. And that's such a powerless place to, to be because yeah. as parents, I mean, we have this and, and I'm a parent as well, Jacqueline, mm-hmm. I have, um, I have a 10 year old and I have a 12 year old. Yeah. So, you know, as, as parents, it's so triggering to see our children in distress. Mm-hmm. So we, we can see it. And, and oftentimes as parents, we go to problem solving mode. So we work really hard to understand, but we rely on our children to give us those answers. So, you know, we ask a lot of questions like what just happened? Mm -hmm. How did this start? What was the trigger? And in those moments, what's happening in the, in, in our children's bodies is they're so activated from on a primal level that things feel really scary. So we're asking them to operate in a different area of their brain. So they're working in one area of the brain that's telling them that everything is dangerous and that they're very, that they're very scared but we're asking them to give us kind of higher level information, right? You know, pieces of what was the trigger and what's going on and to articulate certain things. So when we really slow things down with the three phases is we're working at understanding exactly what's happening in in our children's brains and in their bodies so that we're not putting this this pressure on them to give us those answers. Um, and when parents can, can understand that they're, that they're jumping ahead, then they feel more confident about taking that step back because it really is a lot of pressure for parents to feel like they have to come up with the answers. So we're eliminating that problem solving piece by looking at you know, exactly what's happening in the child because when we know that they're so activated, we know that our only and our best defense is to bring that anxiety down before we even get to those problem solving pieces. Okay. So I could, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm, I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm learning here as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're saying that like asking those questions would might be part of that identification phase and kind of identifying why they're anxious and also for the child, they might not understand why they're feeling anxious, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it actually, it, it, it makes things a little bit more confusing when we're asking those questions, because unless the trigger is really glaring. So if we know they're in a situation that's, you know, historically triggering for them, we can put two and two together and know that, okay, this is something that happened. That's, that's created Mm -hmm. some distress. So we get that. But when we're putting that pressure on our children, so say, for example, there's, um, you know, more of a, a spontaneous emotional kind of breakdown and, and parent doesn't know what those triggers are. When we lead, to, when we ask about those triggers first, the children may not necessarily land on those answers or they might not want to talk about it because what's yeah. going on for them feels really scary as it is. And that's a lot of the submissions we had was when your child mm-hmm. is avoiding opening up. 
Yeah, yeah. So in the identification phase, a lot of it is about helping the children to develop the language. And it's not just children too, because this the course is for parents of teenagers as well, because it's the same kind of foundational mm -hmm. pieces. It's about how does your child articulate what's going on for them? Do they have language to describe their emotions? And can they can they pinpoint what what's going on in their body and what's going on emotionally for them. Because if we don't understand those pieces, none of the problem solving really matters. They're kind of quick fixes. And then yeah. we're going to see a repeat of that. So it really is about, you know, the, the child understanding, well, I feel really scared and it feels this big, right? Whatever size big on a scale of one to yeah. 10 or with their hands, um, it feels this big because until we can bring that anxiety down, none of the strategies, none of that problem solving can feel effective. So we have to deescalate, right? So once we understand yeah. through the identification phase, okay, this is what's going on. This is the emotion. This is how big it is. Then we move to deescalation, right? And only until we've deescalated, then we move on to taking control. I find it really interesting that you talked about quick fixes because I actually do have an example here and you mentioned that the course is for teenagers. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really interesting that I don't actually have kids, but you have kids. And so we're kind of on opposite roles here on how yeah. you can, because I was the one being supported. And so when I was 14 was when my anxiety kind of started up a little bit and I used to avoid school a lot. Mm -hmm. And to the point where I was stubborn, I would have meltdowns and say, I'm not gonna go. I didn't really understand why I didn't wanna go. I just did not wanna go, there'd be tears. And the kind of quick fix would be like, you know, just kind of giving in and being like, okay, you don't have to go, you know? Or like even right. myself, I'd be like, okay, you know what? I'll go like in, in two days, I'll go in like one more day. So I find it really interesting that you're talking about, you know, short-term solutions and more long-term solutions. Um, yeah, I think that's and, all really good. and that's, uh, and you know what, it's, it's so common because, you know, when, when we are so anxious, we go on this survival mode, right? So we think what's going to help keep me, help, help me feel safe in the yeah. moment. And yeah, it feels safer to stay home from school, but long-term it does make that return that mm -hmm. much more difficult. So mm -hmm. do you have any suggestions for a situation like that, um, that might apply to your three principles there? Um, I did get a lot of submissions actually about children being afraid of going to school and then just, yeah. you know, the whole meltdown, which is the exact same example that I had because I also did that. Yeah. So I think we, you know, from the identification phase, it's about what are, what are we working with right now? And, and what is it, can the child identify what's going on? Because getting to school there, there's so many moving pieces around, you know, what could be driving that it could be about needing to stay home and wanting to stay home, or it could be something that's directly related to the school environment, right? So is it yeah. the anxiety about leaving home or is it the anxiety about going to school? So is um, that more like the identification of it then? It would, you know, it, it would be, but only until, you know, we wouldn't be able to land on that exactly that trigger until yeah. we've understood, you know, what is it that's happening for you when you leave the house? Well, I feel, I feel fine when I leave the house, but when I get closer to the school, this is, this mm -hmm. is what happens for okay. me, right? So we get closer to understanding, you know, what's going on and is it, you know, is it fear? Is it anxiety? Um, you know, is it, um, you know, there's, there's lots of things connected yeah. to it. I know it's hard to kind of just pick apart one situation because mm -hmm. it's so yeah. individualized for everybody, yeah. right? But, but with with school with school avoidance as well, it's it's so important. I think once we know, like we don't know need to know exactly 
what's going on, but we, we need to have some kind of a partnership with school. So I would recommend that parents that struggle with getting their children yeah. to school have, have some open communication with some kind of support staff at the mm -hmm. school um, because we can't we can't do all of this work alone and we've got really great you know teachers and support staff and and social workers and cyws in schools that are available to help um so being able to say you know what i'm going to do the work to get them to school what can be done to support this child when they get there right Perfect. so that we're tag teaming and that the child knows that it's not entirely on them to overcome all of this they've got yeah parents at home supporting them they've got someone that's really supportive receiving them at the school so kind of creating a safe place there as well yeah yeah, okay. yeah. i actually have another example so uh, mm -hmm. when i was younger i was doing just rep soccer tryouts and i remember you know the first one went okay but i remember the second one like i would not leave the car and no matter what my mom did like i have a very big stubborn streak in me no matter what she would do no matter you know whether mm -hmm. she talked to me I was like no nope, not doing it locked myself in the car and I wasn't going um how might you work to de-escalate such a situation that's so highly emotional yeah so I mean that's that's tricky because I would be curious about you know at what point did you start to recognize that this was going to be a, a difficult situation for you were you noticing warning signs before you left home Driving was it something up, that I was definitely yeah. anxious yeah yeah, so and, and that's where I would start to dissect it is understanding that the parents, so you know, maybe your your parents or caregivers might have seen yes. what happened to you when you got to tryouts and that's where it became explosive. But okay, can we catch this? before it gets really big, right? And part of that, you know, can start with the child's awareness of I'm noticing some triggers in my body and that's mm. connected to something that feels really threatening about where yeah. I'm going. So ideally we're trying to catch things in the moment, but in a situation where things are getting explosive and there's either a time crunch or you have to go and perform yeah. or, or try out, um, it really is about de-escalation. It's not about where are you going? What do you have to do? reassuring you it's going to be fine it's yeah how big is this for you and you know how how intense how do we bring it from a nine to a seven right now what is it that you think you need to do and during that de-escalation phases where you're creating these these individualized kinds of strategies of these are my go-to things that help me go from a nine to a yeah. seven or from a seven to a five because it doesn't matter what you're going to go and do, right? Like you've got a tryout, which is super stressful, right? For, yeah. for you know, you know, child or adult. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it, it can't be about thinking your way through it. It's about looking at the intensity and just bringing it down so that your brain can do the work to get yourself cognitively through understanding yeah. that situation. I think that's really interesting because at the same time, I feel like you're also teaching your child to do their own problem solving skills, yeah. identify their own emotions. And that's something that is really hard for a lot of people to learn. And I feel like so many people actually learn that in adulthood yes. because there's no one around them to tell them how they feel. And then they're yeah. all of a sudden they're like, well, what's going on? I have to figure this out. Yeah. So I feel like that's interesting that, you know, you can kind of teach that self-soothing with that while yeah. supporting your child. Absolutely. And it, it is about creating capacity within within the child. And, and I'll tell you, you know, I, I've worked with 
you know, hundreds, thousands of children yeah. that come into treatment and parents will see concerning behaviors in their child. And as they go through treatment, the parents start to reflect and say, you know what, there's a lot of things that I recognize about myself. There's a lot yeah, of challenges yeah, that sure. I notice about myself, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is, which is incredible because then everybody's doing the work, right? It's not about yeah. isolating the child or having specific strategies or tools just for you know, one particular child in the home. This is this is about, you know, coping effectively in general, right? Not even just mm -hmm. about anxiety. It's even when we become angry, we need to know how to effectively cope. We need to know, you know, what are my go-to things that I need to do to bring my anger from a nine to a seven in any given yeah. situation. And it's going to be so personal. Just over the last couple months, the most, you know, DMs I've gotten, submissions, uh, whatever it is, the most concerns that I've had the parents have were just about not knowing what to do once it gets to that stage that your child is, you know, kind of having that explosiveness. Mm -hmm. um, that's the biggest issue just because, you know, obviously we talked about, you know, identifying what you can do long-term, de-escalating the situation, but mm -hmm. what are some tips where, you know, if you are at a soccer trial and that stuff, you know, it, it was an off day maybe, and then it's just, what would you do in that situation to take yeah. control of it? If you skip the first two steps, I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I know it's yeah. not really that structured, but like, yeah. So, I mean, ultimately if something is happening, oh, one second, I think I've lost you, but I don't know if that made sense. Yeah, no, it, it did make sense. I just had a little bit of a glitch here. Um, so what I would okay, say is sorry. any any situation that's happening in the moment, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. There's not going to be a go-to strategy that's going to that's going to de-escalate other than focusing strictly on the yeah. emotion and what can we do to bring okay. it down a notch. When it comes to you know situations that we know are, are tricky for particular kids or teens, it is about creating exposure to those situations before it happens, right? So if you've got a soccer, you know, if if your child's got a soccer game and you know, the, the starting, you know, the first 20 minutes of that game is really overwhelming because there's lots of activity and yeah. it's kind of sensory overload and it takes a while, then you've got to do some practice before that game day comes around. And it might be a couple of days before you're going to that field, you're taking a look around, you're kind of visualizing where, where you're going to put your stuff, yeah. where mom and dad or, you know, parents are going to sit. Um, all of those things. Like an anxious plan. Yeah, you're creating an anxious plan. You're creating some exposure. And then maybe you're going back on a day where another team is playing yeah. and you're getting yourself more comfortable within that situation and you're planning for it because the idea is not, you know, this is what we're going to do if this, if this happens, if this becomes difficult. It's what are we going to do when this happens for you? Because we mm -hmm. just need to presume that it's going to be tricky. It has been tricky for you before. So let's set you up and we can feel confident about it. And, you know, children are going to feel more confident about being able to manage it if they know yeah. that they've got things that they can do themselves rather than, okay, well, I know that parents can offer this because if something like that were to happen at school, parents aren't available, which can also create some of that mm -hmm. school avoidance and that anxiety. Because if your yeah. go-to comfort is at home, school is going to be a really scary place. I really like the idea of kind of creating that plan because I know sometimes um, I think a lot of people just kind of hope the situation won't happen again, yeah. especially if it is a short-term fix. Mm -hmm. um, I just feel like making that plan and not, not really foreshadowing that it's going to happen, but like just having that if things are anxious, I think that's a really good idea. And I think that's something that a lot of parents can be able to tackle, even if they don't have, you know, an entire knowledge of what anxiety is. Cause I feel yeah. like that's, 
a lot of the times, if your child is anxious, even if you're anxious yourself, you might not have a, not, a lot of knowledge on it, right? Yeah. And so I know for sure when, you know, my anxiety kind of started being more noticeable, my parents had no idea. Like they're really great now. And it, there was a lot of growth that we saw and we had to work together to kind of decide mm-hmm. both on my end and on their end, how are we going to support each other through this? But for sure in the beginning, they had no idea what it was, what was causing it. And I think that was the biggest issue because when I would you have these meltdowns or, or not go to soccer and lock myself in the car, it's like, well, what do mm-hmm. we do? How do we deescalate that? Because I don't even understand why it's happening. Like why my child is this anxious. Yeah. And one of the big things that, that I talk about in, in the course content is staying away from the whys because okay. sometimes the whys are there. They can't be changed. They can't be, yeah. they can't be fixed. So when we focus on why, then we get stuck because if you land mm-hmm. on a why that's unchangeable, then what are you going to do? So it's, it's yeah. more about what is it? What is it that you're feeling okay. and how do we, how do we make it feel more manageable? Because um, like, you know, and, and I talk about, um, you know, I talk about, you know, COVID anxiety and a lot of the fears that came in, you know, and out of my office throughout the pandemic. And, um, you know, if, if I'm, you know, stuck talking with a, a child about, you know, I feel really scared about COVID, yeah. I can't do anything about that. Right. But it is yeah. how, you know, how does, how does COVID impact you emotionally and how big is that? And how do we make that feel manageable with some effective coping strategies and some safety planning, right. And, sure, and, yeah. some, and some exposure of, so that you can do what you need to do or what you can do um, and just feel more comfortable because a lot of times the, the trigger itself, it's either already happened and we can't do anything about it, or it's something mm-hmm. that might be unchangeable. And you know, I'm, I'm, it's really important for me to feel like the, the kids that I'm working with feel like they can do something about yeah. what's going on for them. Right. Do you maybe have an example? I know you gave uh, one with going to the soccer fields and that uh, beforehand, do you maybe have another example of a safety plan, just what that would look like? Um, so in terms of like, you know, behavior, um, behavioral exposure. So in the final yeah. phase of the course, um, that's where we take control of anxiety. So okay. we talk, we talk about, um, just building individualized kinds of plans to help overcome certain situations. So a really yeah. kind of really simple situation for, you know, for example, for a child or even a teen, um, would be connecting socially. So we've had a really long, um, period of time where we've been socially isolated and it's, it's difficult for, for kids and even adults to reintegrate back into social situations. Um, so, you know, gradual exposure exercise for that might be that children are really anxious about reaching out or texting friends or, you know, initiating contact with people. So it is about kind of almost like a hierarchy, a little bit of a ladder of step-by-step what you would need to do in order to make plans with someone. So it could be about sending a quick text to a family member you know is going to respond. The next step would be sending a text to someone that you haven't talked to in a while, but you know for sure they're going to respond. Next one would be someone you haven't reached out to in a while that you'd really like to hang out with. But you're going going from a level of um, really low distress up to higher pieces. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of anxiety connected to that. And it's supposed um, to feel better as it goes, right? As it or goes. Like, yeah. You're wrong about that. Okay. Yeah. Cause you're, uh, you want to build on things that are, um, easier to manage and then, you know, it, yeah. heightening that, that level of anxiety. And a big part of it too, is the, the rewards and incentives that go along with mm-hmm. overcoming certain things, right? As, as adults, we need to dangle a carrot in front of us for a lot of things. Kids are yeah. no different. <laughs> Kids are no different and they need to know if I'm gonna work this hard or if I'm gonna try to accomplish this goal on this 
you know, on this ladder, what, what do I get out of it? What, how can I reward yeah. myself? What can I do to celebrate these small gains? Um, and, and that's, that's the process that really helps to, to build on that. And it's very similar to, um, just exposing yourself gradually to a situation that, you know, okay, Hey, this is going to be hard. Um, yeah. how do I do this in steps so that I can feel successful as opposed to jumping straight to it? Yeah. And that's a good idea. Also, um, it's a lot easier not to lose your motivation halfway through if you're doing those little steps, yes. uh, taking big jumps. And if it's not successful in the end, that can really make you feel like you're having a setback, right? Absolutely. Um, I was talking to someone the other day at work and she was just saying um, one of her biggest things was that she never knew when to push and when to you know, hold back a little, when to back off. Mm -hmm. And she just, she was mentioning that she has her own anxieties that kind of, you know, yeah, have it manifested into her children because she feels that she can't mm -hmm. let them do anything. And then her whole question was just that. Yeah. How do I know if it's too hard? Like to, yeah. if I'm pushing too hard, that's, um, and that's so common. I think it, you, it feels like you're pushing too hard when, when you don't have one as a parent, you're struggling yeah to do the right thing, your child is going to mirror that. So when you can feel like you're developing skills as a parent to learn yeah. to tolerate and have confidence that your child can manage, then your child will do well. You can mm -hmm. feel more confident mm -hmm. about pushing them when they've got some, some tools and strategies. So we can't, we can't enable avoidance. So avoidance would be, you know, letting your child avoid certain things that are triggering for them, right? Yeah. If, I mean, if things are legitimately scary, or if your child were asking our children to do things um, that they don't have the skill to do, then that's going to feel really hard. Um, yeah. We don't, you know, we're not going to um, have our, you know, child sign up for some kind of, um, you know, like sporting event if they haven't done any of the training, right? We don't send them to tournaments unless they've trained with their team and they've done a practice. So this is no different in that way. So we have to, um, you know, we've got to be able to help them gradually get to a place where they can yeah. tolerate that. But parents need to do their work too. It's, it's, very, mm -hmm. it's very similar. And when we look at our children as fragile, um, then we feel like we don't, we feel like we're pushing them too hard and, and sometimes there is enabling. So if we work on that, those small skills to help them to feel strong by doing that gradually, exposing them gradually and having confidence in them, yeah. then we're not going to feel as guilty about pushing them. So it really, you know, it's going to, it's a long answer to a short question, but it's, yeah. it really depends. <laughs> okay. yeah. it, it's really going to depend on what we're asking them to do. Um, and, you know, if, if we, if they need us a little bit more and that's going to help them to be successful, then we can do that. So if they're, you know, child is going on a play date, but they're very scared of leaving yeah. parents, um, then what that means is maybe you've got to be there for a good chunk of the play date or for okay. the full play date, you're there yeah. with the parent, you're, you're there and available. And then maybe the next time you're there for, you know, the first half and then you scoot out and then you come back. That's kind of that plan saying, you were talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice and gradual. Okay. But then you're also doing that, that really important planning in advance that I'm going to bring you to the play date and I'm going to be there the whole time and you're going to do your own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. Next play date is I'm going to leave halfway through. What are you going to do when mommy's not there? How are you going to manage it? Like, what are you going to do okay, to help yourself feel okay? Before it comes. Yeah, yeah. Because we got to talk about it. We have to talk about things in, you know, because otherwise we're crossing our fingers and just hoping that everything goes okay. Actually, I see that a lot as, as 
I work as a dental assistant and it's always a completely different reaction when we have young kids going into the dentist. Lots yeah. of them are, you know, completely fine just watching TV, but others, they're just, they're freaked out of yeah. their mind. They're just yeah. they're anxious. They're crying. And I feel like I've seen a lot of success in the ones when the moms have come in and said, okay, like we've, we talked about this beforehand and yeah. introduced that you might feel anxious when this happens. And what are we yeah. going to do in that situation? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've noticed the ones that, you know, have no idea this is their first appointment and then they just came in and they, they didn't know what to expect. Yeah. I've noticed those ones weren't as successful because yeah. halfway through they just got emotional and they were like, nope, send me home. I'm, I'm done. Like, yeah. And oftentimes it's, it's really fueled by, by parents' anxiety, right? Because if, yeah. if parents don't know how to prepare their child, then their child is going to be less equipped to manage. Right. And mm -hmm. um, like, I, I see that as a, as a really anxious presentation in parents and parents really do their best, right? Like yeah. this is, this is really what they're trying to do. And they're hoping that things work out. Um, but you know, in the course, it is about identifying what triggers us when we see our children yeah. in distress because it is okay. so awful to see your child struggling, especially going to the dentist, right? Yeah. Um, because it, it can be really, really scary. So it can also be embarrassing just because you feel like, you know, the dental assistant and the dentist are watching you while you're trying to parent. Yeah. You also don't really know what you're supposed to be doing and your child's emotional. And it's yeah. just a really heightened situation for both the child and the parents. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when we talk about it and we plan for it in advance, yeah. we get way more success because we can get all of the, the discomfort out. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that everything is um, perfectly fine when you go to the dentist, but we were going in with a plan. So chances mm -hmm. are you're, you know, that anxiety, that fear might not get to a nine, but maybe it peaks at a five or a six, which is way more manageable and comfortable. And that's ideal, right? That's, that's mm -hmm. really what it's about is it's not about eliminating anxiety altogether. It's about accepting that this is a really natural part of, you know, being, you know, yeah. of being alive, we're gonna, we're gonna respond yeah. differently to situations and, but we've got to learn to manage. I know that you talk a lot in your course about not walking on eggshells around your child. Is there anything you wanted to briefly touch on that? I know that we're not going to give away all the information in your course, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You wanted to say about that. Yeah. So walking, walking on eggshells is it's, it's just that natural I my response. Mom walked on eggshells around me. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? Walking on eggshells is it's, it's the term. And I, I tried to use as much language as, um, as I could, that came from actual parents that, yeah. that were using the content and use going through the program. And, um, and a lot of the language was that, you know, when parents are supporting their anxious children, they're either um, getting to a point where they're yelling or they're walking on eggshells because they're really just trying to keep everything just as, as um, neutral as possible so as not to trigger. When we do that, we, you know, we're, we're not really building capacity, right? We're not challenging our children um, and we're not challenging ourselves. So, and, and I acknowledge that this is, this is just such a natural part of, you know, what parents do to support their kids, but long-term, it gets harder. Anxiety is harder to treat as we get older. It's harder yeah. to manage. Um, there's, you know, lots of com comorbidities. So there's, you know, other pieces that that are connected to anxiety that get difficult. So when we walk on eggshells, it's really about I want parents to feel empowered that they can do something different, that they okay. can challenge their children, um, but only when their children have the skills and when parents have their skills. So it's about yeah. taking that step away from walking on eggshells and working collaboratively, not being afraid of anxiety um, because we're working together to mm -hmm. manage it 
right? It's not about eliminating it. If we set the bar high and we start expecting us ourselves to, to eliminate anxiety or eliminate all of these triggers for our children, yeah. it's unrealistic. We end up walking on eggshells and then, you know, we feel really powerless. So it is about empowering yeah. parents to, um, to just feel more effective and feel more in yeah. control um, so that their kids can feel more in control and more confident. I feel like that's almost enabling your own avoidance, right? Um, yeah. Kind mm -hmm. of with, I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. I was just thinking with the de-escalation phase of that. Mm -hmm. um, no, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, so. well, but you, you know what? You, you make a good point with, you know, with, with the parental avoidance and, yeah. you know, and, and I, I believe that that's a really big part of it because as parents, we go through our own physiological responses when we see our children in distress. We don't want to feel that way as parents, yeah. right? So what do we do? We, we try to create an environment that's, that's not triggering for them. This is such a natural response. This is what yes. we do on a primal level. We try to eliminate that distress. Um, but over time, what happens is we do end up walking on eggshells and we're very, very careful. And it, it doesn't lead to long-term really positive outcomes for, for kids because mm -hmm. they, and, and for parents, right? We need to be able to overcome you know, stressful situations. We can't, um, yeah. it's just unavoidable. Right. There's going to be there's going to be, you know, things that are going to trigger us throughout our life. You know, I found um, pro predominantly most of my anxiety was when I was a teenager. I found the more triggers that I did avoid, the more I actually gained. I just kind of grew yeah. more anxious and more anxious. I kind of lost my confidence a little bit um, mm -hmm. because it's like you're training your brain almost that you are underestimating your coping ability with situations. Right. That's right. Um, yeah. So that was something I definitely found myself. The more I avoided school, the worse it got. And then yeah, there was just no de-escalating from there because it's like, as soon as you're in that phase where you are just having a meltdown, it's like everyone's yeah. just reacting. Yes. Yeah. And, and the older, and you know, I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but a, a lot of clients that I work with will tell yeah. me that they start to really over-identify with their anxiety, right? Their, their, their style of thinking, their pattern of thinking is just mm -hmm. who they are. Um, and it's, it's become this maladaptive type yeah. of relationship that, you know, this is just how I think I don't want to challenge how I think this is who I am. And when we've gotten to that point, we know that we're, we're really stuck. And it's harder to treat because when we do start to over-identify um, with our thinking pattern, it gets it gets really problematic. So, and that's not to say you know once your you know your kids are teenagers or if you're a young adult, you can't overcome these things. But it is certainly a lot harder because it's hard to draw the line of what's part of my temperament and personality and what's part of this anxious maladaptive type of coping that I've gone through. Well, I just think it's interesting even having this conversation because myself, it all applies to me. Like everything you're talking about, it mm -hmm. just makes so much sense, which is why I was so interested when uh, we reached out to each other, yeah. just because I was probably the most stubborn kid I've ever seen, like with my anxiety as well. It was like, if I don't want to do something, I don't want to do it. And that's an issue that a lot of parents have because it's like, well, what do I do when my child is basically saying, no, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and one, of the, one of the very first lessons we talk about um, you know, different, um, different, you know, presentations of anxiety. And we look at, yeah. um, you know, kids that just kind of shut down completely or won't talk or kids that are really argumentative, you know, really argumentative. And is that, 
you know, is that anger, is that anxiety, but, you know, kids will get really good at keeping people at a distance, right? And that can present as being just really stubborn, right? We just dig in our heels and that's how you kept yourself safe, right? That worked for you. So there's a function in how our kids are coping. So we don't want to completely bring down those walls because that's what's helping these kids feel safe, but we have to replace it with things that um, helps them to recognize that it's okay to let this guard down. I can try new things or I can be open to different types of situations if I do it gradually enough. That's just why I love uh, the idea of the de-escalation so much because with me being stubborn at that end point, there was nothing that could be done for me. I was so emotional that there was no, uh, there's no reasoning with me. Um, no, no amount of logic, no talking to me would have brought, I'd never even thought about the plan thing, mm-hmm. um, but it makes sense. And that's probably with such a stubborn child like myself, that would have helped me the most. That would have benefited me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, because oftentimes when I would avoid those things, like with the soccer, soccer trials, I felt horrible about myself after, because then it was yeah. just, you know, another thing that I didn't do. I wish I did, but I was just so emotional in the moment that I couldn't even think about what I wanted anymore. I couldn't yeah. tell myself, you know, just get through this and you're going to feel worse after mm-hmm. it was just pure emotion, like yeah. nothing made sense. And so de-escalating that would have helped that a lot, I think. Yeah. And it's so confusing from, from, you know, parents and children's perspective, because in the moment, Jacqueline, like that was, yeah. that there was, there was no compromise for you. No, you were stuck. There was nothing was going to change I actually that. Lost the car door. I was like, no, I'm not going. Yeah. Right. So that felt, that felt right for you in that moment. But then yeah. after, right. Hours later, minutes later, why can't, why couldn't I do that? Right. And, yes. and just feeling really badly for whatever dynamic gets created within, you know, you know, with with parents or, you know, whoever's supporting you. Um, so it, it's so kind of like it's hard to understand and kids are going to only have a certain level of comprehension. Yes. So um, there's a lot of blame. Right. And we get really we get really critical when we have those kinds of patterns mm-hmm. of, you know, not being able to do something or really struggling. And then why can't I do that? I really want to do it next yeah. time. But then next time it's kind of the same pattern. So it's it's so important for parents to recognize that, you know, even when our kids are resistant or rejecting, um, that we need to catch it earlier so that we can help them feel successful. Yes. Um, another submission that uh, we had was. It said, I'm trying to push both of my kids to socialize, but they're very shy. And they wanted to know if that was bad to be pushing them or not. I know that's a very, you can't really answer just that situation, but yeah. situations like that, you know, when, do, when do you have any tips about how to understand yourself and identify yourself when you should be like backing off and pushing and yeah. uh, with situations where your kids are, you know, not socializing, not going to events and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think, I think you've got to know, you've got to know your child, right? A lot of that yeah. could be, t- you know, temperament and, and personality, right? Not everybody yeah. is going to want these big groups, right? Sure. You know, kids get overwhelmed um, sometimes with lots of activities. So um, just being curious about what you're seeing in terms of how they're responding in those social situations. If they're yeah. struggling to go to family, family events and you need to go, then it is about preparing them in advance, right? What are some things that you're going to do? so that you can, you know, play with the other kids or you bring in a little backpack of things that can keep you busy on your own so that you can still be there, but you don't have to feel like you're social. You don't have to feel Mm -hmm. like you can still be a part of it, but not, um, you know, the social butterfly that, um, you know, that, that they're hoping them to be. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's tricky too, but again, like that same kind of gradual exposure of, you know, 
can we invite someone to come over to the house so you can kind of practice what yeah. it what it feels like to hang out one on one and that might be a better fit in in your own kind of territory with someone that you're comfortable with and okay. then building on that right having a couple of friends over um going to someone else's house right it might need to look gradual and it might need to be broken down based on one particular yeah. goal but what are the steps that we're going to take to get you there um some kids just don't know what to say they don't know how to generate conversation. Um, yeah. Some kids just don't like to share. They don't want their things being touched. So it's it's about like, are you bringing something that only you get to play with? Or are you going to put your own things away so that nobody touches your mm -hmm. stuff and that doesn't feel triggering? But you know, accepting your child for where they're at in that moment and what's important to them means that they're going to work with you. In a, in a much more amicable way, right? If they're saying, I don't okay. want to play with this person, or I don't want to share these toys, or, um, you know, they don't know how to generate those conversations, we've got to meet them where they're at, and slowly build on that so that we're not completely okay. throwing them into the deep end. Uh, so if I'm understanding correctly, kind of a balance between not enabling that avoidance, but instead of more, instead of it being about pushing and uh, backing off more just mm -hmm. working with your child to see how can we get this done yeah. um, in the small steps okay yeah yeah and we know that there's going to be other you know there's going to be other um you know pieces that might get in the way of children feeling comfortable socializing right there might be some sensory sensitivities or some social difficulties and um you know that can create a lot of anxiety but we've got to take a good look at the history of what does it looked like before right when yeah. your child is struggling and what have the child's teachers seen um, you know, are there certain things that that they just naturally struggle with? Um, because, you know, we don't want to give that message that they're not okay the way they are in terms of how yeah, they struggle. But do sure. they have their do they have their own goals, right? Do they want to be able to have a friend over? Do they want to be able to send a text and hang out with someone outside of the home, right? What are they even interested in? If they're not interested in anything, then think about what's reasonable for their age. Well, we do have to go see family. So let's figure out how to make this comfortable so that you've got your own kind of, you know, comfort items available. You've got your buffer items to keep yeah. you, you know, a little bit, um, you know, isolated if you need to, and you can go back and forth within this situation. Okay. Uh, so giving that on this uh, webinar here, I'm actually learning myself. I think it'd be okay uh, to kind of apply a situation to myself. So yeah. with myself, I had to start walking to school by myself when I was uh, 12 years old. So I used to walk with my brothers, but it's just two minutes down the road. Okay. And so I found that I was an anxious wreck. My biggest fear when I was younger, younger was, um, you know, strangers and bad things happening. So I was mm -hmm. terrified to walk to school and I think that looking back on it now, like what I could do, because I think even this is about supporting your anxious child, but there's so many tools that you can also apply to yourself. I mean, now that I'm yeah. older, right? Yeah. So kind of identifying the fear with that and then the de-escalation, I feel like you could get someone to walk you halfway the first time and then, mm -hmm. or maybe the second time, and then you can walk yourself or you could talk on the phone while you go. And yeah. I think these are all really good things that you can you know, come up with to have that plan in place until you can do that by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, through the, you know, through, um, you know, identification and de-escalation yeah. tracking, right? So on, on, on those particular days, right? when you're leaving the house, how high is your anxiety? Is it a 10? Mm -hmm. And you're tracking that on a regular basis because when we're, when we're so activated, it's hard to even know when we're making gains. But if you're tracking those types of emotions and how you're coping on a regular basis, you might start to see a decline from 10, next day is a nine, mm -hmm. next day is an eight. Um, 
And when it's in black and white on paper, it feels like, okay, I'm making gains. I'm doing better. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm wanting to do this and I'm doing it. Okay. Um, given that we're talking about examples of, you know, safety plans, did you have an example of for separation anxiety a little bit of Mm -hmm. a child that does not want to, I know that you talked about that before a little bit, but that does not want to be separated from their parent at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I mean, this happens, this, it's very age appropriate with, well, I know with, you talked about, oh, sorry, we got glitchy for a second. Okay. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, so, it, I mean, it's, it's very age appropriate. We have to look at um, like what's, what's normal for their developmental age and stage. A lot of kids that are, you know, kindergarten and younger, they're going to have a harder time separating from their parents and they're going to have a harder time, um, you know, willingly going into new situations. But even um, like even at the, you know, in the teen years, separation anxiety is something that is hard to talk about. So being able to identify that in the moment that it's hard being away from the situation, it's hard being away from a person, it's hard being away from a place. Um, like we've got to be able to have those conversations. So I think that's an important first step is recognizing yeah. that this is, this is hard and it gets me to this particular number or this particular height of anxiety. Um, what are the things that, you know, we can do to deescalate it? Well, you get creative with those strategies, but maybe you're starting with shorter periods of time away from situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I'm just trying to think of an example of, um, like we've talked about, like, you know, play dates or social situations, but even, you know, going to, you know, going to school as well, um, like having those kinds of check-in points throughout the day, um, having someone who's supporting them throughout the day yeah, as well. Definitely um, a good idea. Yeah. Someone that knows, right. Someone that knows what's going on, but I think parents modeling that it's okay to talk about what's hard is a really, really important foundational Mm -hmm. piece. If parents are scared to talk about it, if they're worried about triggering it, the children are going to feel the same way. You got to create that safe place for your child to come to you in the first place, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just being really matter of fact that, you know, but it's hard for you to go to new places. It's hard for you to go around, you know, go around this particular group of people, right? Like that. And, and I get it. I get it. I accept that. Here, yeah. what what are you gonna do to to cope? How are you gonna make it better when I have to be over here and you have to be over there? What are we gonna do to, in mm-hmm. order to to make that work, right? Not the you know what's gonna happen and um, you know kind of catastrophizing it, but just being really matter of fact of this is what this is what we're gonna have to do and we're gonna be okay. What are we gonna do to manage? How mm-hmm. are we gonna do this? I feel like this course is really amazing, and I feel like. And I'm not just trying to flatter you. <laughs> Thank you. Like well, I'm, I'm very proud of it. <laughs> yeah. Going into this um, collaboration, I had a lot of questions actually written down because from this small section of just this small you know, discussion, I feel like mm-hmm. I learned a lot. So it's just like, how much more are you going to learn from the course? Um, written mm-hmm. down here, I, I was just skipping through them. I was like, well, oh, I already know that one. We already talked about that one. Um, you know, even the first one, like, what's the best way to help your child overcome their fears? Is it better to protect them from these fears and avoid that? And obviously the answer is no, you don't enable that. So I feel like I learned a lot, right? And then another one was, should we be eliminating all triggers from our child or teaching, or will this reinforce the anxiety? Obviously it reinforces it. Yeah. Um, the next one was, this one was really interesting. So I wrote, if we work to prevent our child's anxiety and triggers, at what point do they learn to manage these on their own? Mm-hmm. And having this discussion, it's just so interesting because doing the three pillars of the identification, the de-escalation, 
um, and the taking control. Uh, those are the three, correct? Okay. Mm -hmm. You're actually teaching your child to self-soothe at the same time. So you're yeah. teaching yourself, you're teaching your child, and then they do this on their own. So they're learning to identify their own emotions, say what's happening in this moment and creating plans for not only just their anxiety, but for the rest yeah. of their life. How are they going to plan something that's, you know, more stressful? If you have a job interview in the future, what am I going to do if I'm anxious in that moment? So I think that's really interesting that all of my questions are already answered just from this small discussion, because how much more are you going to learn from that yeah. course, right? Yeah. I think yeah. we've been talking for uh, about 50 minutes now. And yeah. I think that was a good time, actually, maybe just to talk about the course a little bit more and what you're offering with that. And then yeah. we yes. can. Yeah. So the, the course is, um, like I said, it's, it's a self-paced course. And when, when you purchase the course, you get immediate access to everything. So you get, yeah. you know, all six modules. Um, there's several lessons within each module. And the key for me when I was building the course was, you know, I, I had a particular, um, you know, population of parents in mind, you know, busy yeah. parents, parents that don't have all this time to be going through hours and hours of, um, mm -hmm. you know, therapy or even hours and hours of videos. So I tried to make things as, you know, as condensed as possible. Yeah, kind of an easy resource for them, right? Yeah. So within, and it's, it's videos, there's PDFs um, that are attached to the videos as well. There's a workbook so that you can go through um, at your own pace and just make your own recordings, jot your notes, and there's um, there's some homework tasks just to keep yeah. you accountable as well. Uh, and one of the things that, um, some of the feedback that I got from my founding members when I was building the course yeah. was a lot of parents really liked this one particular resource that I was creating and it was a um, validation scripts. Okay. And it was things to say when you're supporting your anxious child. So because it's, you know, we take a bit of a shift from looking at like, what's the trigger and why is this yeah. happening to just validating that your child feels what they feel? Well, how do I go from that if I don't know what to say? So I was creating this, um, a lot of these scripting pieces. So yeah. a lot of parents really like that. So I enhanced that. Um, I enhanced that that uh, scripting and the you know validation responding with empathy, and that's also in the workbook as well for parents. And you get yeah. you get that right away. I think that's interesting, just the script part, because it's like we talked about um, a little bit ago, where if you do get to that point where it is you know explosive, kind of a meltdown, especially like yeah. myself, where I'm locking myself in the car, not knowing what to do and feeling you know a lot of emotion yourself. And having things to be able to say, a plan to go to, I think that yeah. makes it a lot easier to be able to support your child because then yeah. you can just, you know, stop yourself and say, okay, what should I be doing right now? Yeah, um, yeah. And it's it's so true because, I mean, a lot of the language doesn't always come naturally. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of parents will say, you know, what do I say when my child is feeling this? But generally what they, they tend to be asking when I read between the lines is, how do I fix it? And it's not about yeah. fixing. It's about, you know, how do I, how do I communicate to my child that I'm connecting with them and that, that they're not alone. So it really is yeah. about this, the words and the scripts around um, what can I do without trying to fix it or messaging that I'm trying to mm -hmm. fix it so that I can just be with my child when they're really high on that scale. No, I love that. And I love the idea of working together on it. And mm -hmm. I just, I was so having that question in the beginning of at what point do they learn to manage the triggers on their own? It's just, it's not even a question anymore because they're yeah. learning it the whole time, right? Yeah, they're learning that's how the to soothe their anxiety. Mm -hmm. Right. I think we talked about a lot of great stuff and it was really great being able to have this discussion with you. Thank you. Thank you. I will, um, what I will do actually is I will put the link. Okay. For, let me see here. I will put the link in the chat. Um, for 
anyone who's live who wants to look into the course. Um, it is available um, anytime and you can, there's two ways to purchase. So you can be purchased on a, on a monthly plan. So three monthly payments of $117 or one easy payment of 297. And that's for the entire program access yeah. right away to the whole course. And obviously I'm going to make this audio into my podcast. So then if it's around any time, then where they can access that through your Instagram, or do you have another place to access the course through? Um, so, you know what, I, you've got access to that link as well. So you can, you can post that link cause it'll be a specific oh, okay. link for, um, for your community. Okay. Well, and there you go, everybody. It's going to be in the link in my bio and we'll figure <laughs> out how that works. Yeah. <laughs> um, like it was nice and thank you for everybody who came out and who's listening to this today. It was a really great conversation. Likewise, thank you for having me.